I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be reacting to Tottenham Hotspur 3, Arsenal 0. A really, really disappointing night from an Arsenal perspective. I've literally just walked in the door 10, 15 minutes ago uh, from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Absolute nightmare of a ground to get away from. The transport links are awful. It took an absolute age to get a cab. And after a result like that, you just want to get out of there. Um, and it wasn't as easy as I'd have liked and as easy as I'd have hoped. But got here eventually. Uh, so apologies for the really late night broadcast. For those of you that are watching us live, uh, for those of you that are based in the UK or anywhere else where the time is even later, I do apologise. Uh, but hopefully you'll be able to join us on catch up if it's too late for you. Look, I mean... It's a really, really disappointing night. It really is. There's no real other way of kind of dressing it up. What I said earlier today when we did a live stream was that the fact that we don't need or didn't need to win this in the sense of losing it didn't see Tottenham move above us. Losing it didn't mean that our destiny in terms of the Champions League was out of our own hands that, you know, I was trying to kind of calm my nerves by basically convincing myself that actually a defeat wasn't the end of the world. But the way we were beaten really, really kind of hurts and it, and really frustrates. And I think you feel when you watch a game like that and you look at some of the decisions in that game and you feel a real sense of injustice, you do feel angry more than disappointed. And the anger is sometimes harder to deal with because you don't quite know how you should be channeling it. We're going to get into the game. We're going to talk about individuals. We're going to talk about the big moments. We're going to talk about some of the post-match reaction as well from both of the managers. There's so, so much uh, to get into in the aftermath of this one. And of course, we'll bring you guys a follow-up episode uh, on Friday at some point as well, where we can look back at it with a calmer head, with a cooler head. Uh, but this is our raw reaction. This is our post-match reaction show. So without further ado, let's dive straight into it. So team selection. The team was the same team uh, that, of course, beat Leeds United at the weekend. And um, and I it wasn't what I would have done. It wasn't the way I would have set us up. But I can't really sit here and be critical of Mikel Arteta for opting to stay with a winning team. I thought that one of the big things that jumped out on me when I looked at that team was, OK, well, it feels like we haven't made any sort of extra adjustments or we haven't taken any extra precautions around Hyungmin Son, who is Spurs' most dangerous player at the moment. That was the thing that jumped out at me. It was the idea of Cedric and Rob Holding as a combination on that right-hand side was something that I was shitting myself about. And actually, those were the two players in the end um, who, who ended up to a degree costing us. So, Really, really frustrating to see. Um, I think if I was going to be critical of Mikel Arteta, the thing I would say is that I can't believe he trusted or thought that a combination of Cedric, um, you know, and uh, and Rob Holding were going to be able to contain the Korean and we're going to be able to stop him causing us any problems. So, as I say, look, I think we got beat tonight because I thought that the referee, Paul Tierney, was horrendous 
you know, I thought that that was the catalyst for our defeat. I think it's hard enough going away to Spurs in a really atmospheric stadium in a game that has incredibly high stakes in front of a big crowd in front of, you know, Tottenham fans who were willing their team to go out and win the game because they so desperately needed to do so, let alone to have to do it with a referee that was unbelievably biased. And look, people will make arguments about the penalty decision. People will make arguments about Rob Holding sending off. And I'll come on to give you my thoughts in detail on those two particular incidents. But forget those. Even without those, park them to one side. Paul Tierney gave Tottenham Hotspur absolutely everything tonight. Every 50-50 went their way. Everything that was on the borderline went their way. He could not wait to blow his whistle and point for Tottenham free kicks over and over and over again. And I know that, you know, when you talk about those niggly bits and you talk about the little bits and pieces in terms of the decisions, you could make the case that, well, they shouldn't cost you a game. But what they do is they disrupt your flow. They disrupt your rhythm and they make the game a little bit bitty. And I think as players, you can get frustrated when you see that kind of thing going against you all the way. Look, it's it's part of the reason. It's not the whole reason, but it's part of the reason. I thought the refereeing display tonight was awful. It was as bad as I've seen in the Premier League for a long, long time. And I'm sick and tired of people sort of turning their noses up at other divisions and other leagues in other countries and saying, well, the Premier League is head and shoulders above this league and it's head and shoulders above that league. This Premier League can never be the best league in the world until the standard of officiating is rectified because it is appalling and it seems to be falling further and further and further. And what was the VAR doing tonight? sitting in the room with his feet up, having a cup of coffee, probably, because, you know, how some of those decisions, um, in particular, the penalty were not re-looked at is beyond me. Now, I've seen some sort of non-Arsenal fans on social media um, sort of saying, well, it was a penalty because Cedric leaned into him and Cedric did this and Cedric did that. I guarantee you, if that was against your team, you would be up in arms. It's very easy to take a step back when you're not involved in the game, when you don't have a dog in the race, when you don't have a horse in the race to go, oh, well, you know, I'll I'll try and find a reason as to why that was a penalty to justify the decision. It was a shocking decision. Cedric leans in to Son, gives him a little bump. You see that 10, 15 times a game when it comes to set pieces and defending crosses. And if you pulled up every single one of them, you'd do nothing as a referee but give penalties. So why Paul Tierney has felt in a game of this magnitude, in a derby, that he needs to be so picky is is beyond me. I, I, I can't quite get my head around it. I mean, there were other incidents, fouls committed by Tottenham players that he allowed to go unpunished. You know, there were Tottenham players making fouls and he'd go over and have a word with them. There were Arsenal players making fouls and he'd reach for the card straight away. And he couldn't wait. He could not wait. I think for me, you know, we'll we'll talk about Arsenal's performance because I didn't think it was very good tonight. And I didn't think, you know, we were we were value for anything really from the game. But um, I want to talk about these refereeing decisions. And I, and I, I have and I, and I want to reiterate those points because for me, they were really, really disappointing. We'll come on to the two. In in fact, let's start with the two refereeing decisions because they're the biggest talking points, right? So the Cedric one, I'm not having that that's a penalty. 
Not having it at all. I don't think there's enough from Cedric. Uh, it's not like he's gone, you know, like full on shove. You know, it's he's bumped him. Like Gary Neville even described it in the commentary as a bumping of the attacker. And he says, I used to do it all the time. You know, and, and you know, it is something that you see, as I say, 10, 15 times in a game. So to be given penalties for that suggests that you can't wait to give a penalty, suggests that you're looking for a reason to give a penalty. And I was actually pleased to see Mikel Arteta come out and say what he said in the post-match interview. But we'll break that down again in a little bit more detail a little bit later. So I didn't think that that was a penalty. I didn't think that Rob Holding really needed to be sent off either, but I can understand why he was. So for me, that's not one that I'm going to be banging on about. That's not one that I'm going to sort of make a big case about. I think that Rob Holding was was struggling to cope with the threat of Hume-Min Son down that left-hand side. And it goes back to what I was saying right at the top of the programme. When I saw the team sheet, the thing that jumped out to me was we have not taken any measures in, a, in order to try and deal with Hume-Min Son and the threat that he poses. And we know what he's like in these North London derbies. He's thrown himself to the ground umpteen times up to now to win penalty kicks. He's as dirty as they come. He probably should have got done for an attempted elbow on Rob Holding when the pair were involved in an initial tangle. And again, that went under the radar. The VAR must have been having his cup of coffee at that time. Maybe he'd run out of milk and run to get some more. I don't know. But I just think that Arsenal needed to be more alert to what Son posed as a threat. And I think, you know, Arsenal's, you know, thought process or, or Mikel Arteta's thought process would have been, Let's go out there to win this game. Let's go out there to impose ourselves. Let's go and play our game. We shouldn't be taking special precautions uh, to deal with individual players playing for the opposition. But I, I kept saying that for me, the fact that we didn't need to win this game meant that what made the most sense was actually to go out there to set up with a back five, to be pragmatic and to frustrate them. Instead, we took a different approach. And granted, Mikel Arteta's approach may well have worked had we not conceded that penalty kick when we did, because I didn't honestly feel at any point up until that, up until that moment, that Arsenal were under any threat whatsoever. In fact, I didn't think we were great, but I thought we marginally edged it in terms of the amount of time that we were spending in Tottenham's half. We managed to squeeze the line right up to the halfway line and have, have you know, a fair amount of possession. We had a couple of kind of... Um, disappointing efforts from the edge of the penalty area. I think Saka had one, Odegaard had one um, that we should have done better from. But I didn't think at the point where Tottenham scored, so 22 minutes in when they were awarded the penalty, that we were out of control. I didn't feel that we were under threat and I didn't feel like we were going to lose the game genuinely at that point. And when you consider that throughout the build-up, most people had spoken about how important the first goal is going to be how important it is that Arsenal ride the first 20, 30 minutes out, how important it was that Arsenal didn't concede in that period so that they could frustrate not just those in Spurs colours on the pitch, but off of it as well, the supporters, the spectators. Then to, to concede because of a silly decision like that, and I do believe it was a silly decision and people will say it wasn't, I don't really care, that's my opinion, right? I, I, I'm adamant that there was not enough there from Cedric Suarez um, to award a penalty kick. And then you go down a goal and you need to keep your composure. You need to be able to weather the storm. The atmosphere went up a level. Um, you know, it was really good prior to kickoff. 
and then uh, it sort of was starting to flatten a little bit when we'd kind of gone 20 or so minutes looking quite comfortable. Tottenham hadn't really threatened. They hadn't even been huffing and puffing. They weren't even at that point yet. They just hadn't got to a point um, where, you know, where they were threatening us and, and where their fans felt confident and felt behind them. And you, you could sense it in the stadium. You could feel like it hadn't quite come into play, but that frustration was on the verge. You felt that the fans were going to start to feel that little bit of, of nervousness and that they were going to start to feel concerned about the fact that Arsenal would come and started the game comfortably, not positively, not strongly, not as the better side, but comfortably. That's what I would say is the best way to describe it. And then they get that massive boost from the penalty kick. And then, as I say, we need to keep our heads and we don't. And Rob Holding doesn't. And listen, I think that given, you know, the, given the get the way the game was going and given the fact that, you know, I don't think that Rob Holding's gone in to do Hume Son. Um, I would have, if I was the referee in that instance, gone over, had a word and said, last one, last one. That's your last one. Obviously, common sense didn't prevail. Obviously, the referee wasn't keen to kind of stay out of the spotlight and try and manage the game in a seamless way as possible. He wanted to, to send Rob Holding off and you could tell by how quickly he reached for that card. I mean, he couldn't have done it quick enough. It was as though he already had it in his hand before Rob Holding had committed the offence. It was, it was honestly, it was laughable how quick Paul Tierney was to go over and dish out that second card. He didn't give himself a second to think. He didn't give himself a second to process what he'd just seen. It was instant reactions. I mean, it was, it, it, it was disappointing. It was frustrating. Um, more money says um he did say to holding last chance was you watching the game for what what other fouls did rob holding commit that were on the borders of being worthy of a booking at that point i mean people in the chat are, are obviously going to have a go at me right they say i'm making excuses and whatnot i've literally said at the start of the show that it's not the only reason we lost the game i mean what more can i do to clarify my point of view than literally say it I think, for me, that the referee tonight had a massive impact in the direction the game took. Spurs don't break us down after 22 minutes if Paul Tierney doesn't give a soft foul against Cedric Suarez and point to the spot. That's fact. That's not me making an excuse. That's not me, um, you know, trying to escape the fact that I thought the rest of our performance was was below par. It, it's fact. Because Tottenham was struggling. Tottenham hadn't forced Aaron Ramsdale into any work. The most Aaron Ramsdale had to do was get the ball at his feet a couple of times and clear the ball upfield. He, he wasn't busy at that point. Neither was Hugo Lloris. But if you had to pick one that was busier, it was Hugo Lloris at that point. So I think that the game really, really did swing on that penalty decision. And it is my opinion and it is my view that it was a soft penalty. And one that we have every right to feel frustrated about. Now, going back to Rob Holding, if I were the referee, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have sent him off. Um, I would have let it go 
And that would have been the final warning for me. But clearly, Paul Tierney had other ideas. And as I say, I, I don't agree with that one, but I can kind of accept it. I can't accept the penalty, though. I can't. And, and Paul Tierney's record with Arsenal is horrendous. Awful. You only need to look it up to understand uh, that this is a referee who... And, and I'm not even saying has a vendetta against Arsenal. I'm not even saying has an agenda against Arsenal. But this is another one of the referees, and, and John Moss probably falls into this category as well, who consistently underperforms, yet consistently gets given games of this magnitude. It's crazy. It's crazy. Okay, let's move on from the decisions and let's talk about the actual performance. I thought it was I thought it was lacklustre for large parts. Um, I do think that the two decisions took the wind out of our sails, but I still wanted to see a response. Even at 3-0, I just wanted to see Arsenal give it a go, pull a goal back, make it a little bit nervy at the very least. I just wanted to see Arsenal respond. And I didn't feel like we got the response that we needed. I didn't feel like I saw, um, you know, that that kind of desire to to put things right. I saw a lot of players kind of going through the motions a lot of players who, in my opinion, look defeated fairly early on in the game. Now, I know when you're 2-0 down going into the break and down to 10 men, it's it's demoralising. But I just wanted to see Arsenal rally a little bit at the start of the second half and try and make a game of it, try and make a competition of it. And instead, instead, we saw Arsenal go out in the second half and literally concede a goal straight away. And and then it was done. What I was disappointed with, and I'm not going to lie, and, and a lot of people, if you were one of them, you're not going to like this. I didn't like how many Arsenal fans left on the third goal. I didn't like the fact that the away section with about 15 minutes remaining was more than half empty. And that the Spurs fans were up in the stands poking fun at us for that. I, I I didn't like that because I think that the away support that Arsenal have had this season has been tremendous. And I've been a part of that in a lot of the games and I've seen it firsthand myself. So I was, you know, yeah, we're 3-0 down. You know, we, we're disappointed, we're frustrated, we're upset. But there was about a 10-minute period where we were in full voice despite being, um, you know, despite being... Um, despite being three goals down, there was a point where we were singing uh, songs and we were sort of really giving it back to the Spurs fans. And you thought, you know what, I'm proud to be a part of this group, even when we're struggling, even when we're suffering, we're in good voice, we're supporting the team, we're getting behind the boys. And I didn't want us to give the Spurs fans the satisfaction of watching us walk out. And I stayed till the end. And, and, and so to look around and see so many do the easy thing, in my opinion, and walk out. Now, I know some people, you know, um, live a long way away and some people, um, you know, find it more difficult to get home the later they leave it. I get all of that, but that's not everybody, is it? Like, that's not every single person that was in the away end. And so to see so many go early, I, I was disappointed by it. I'm not going to lie. Let's go on to some of the individual performances. I can't be critical of Aaron Ramsdale um, today. Uh, Cedric looked uncomfortable out of his depth, dealing with the threat of Son on that left-hand side. And then Son would come infield and plonk himself on Rob Holding, who also struggled. So those two didn't 
have great games. Gabriel uh, looked okay at left centre-back, I thought, for the most part. Tomiyasu didn't look as comfortable at left-back as he did at the weekend, but that was understandable given he was against the higher calibre of opponent. Moving into the midfield, I didn't think Xhaka imposed himself as much as he normally does. I didn't think that Martin Odegaard got on the ball enough, and when he did, I didn't think he used it as well as we know he can. When I looked at Mohamed Elneny, I thought it was pretty clear early on in the game that his role or the job he was assigned to do was to try and cut out that pass into Harry Kane. To try and cut out that pass into Harry Kane's feet, from which he so often spins away from people, turns and then sets Tottenham away on the transition. So I thought that was something that Mikel Arteta put in place to deal with Harry Kane and the threat that he poses. But I think that he almost, I don't know if he overlooked, um, you know, I don't know if he overlooked the um, the, the Son thing or if he just felt that when he weighed it up, that it was more important that we played our way um, instead of sort of falling into the trap of rejigging things to try and suit Spurs. Um, I'm getting a lot of stick in the comments from, from people that, you know, say I'm making excuses, whatever. There's one... Um, Hold on, where was it? Somebody said he's trying to go mainstream. I'm already working in the mainstream media, mate. Uh, in fact, I was on BBC Radio 5 Live, literally on my phone as I was walking out of the stadium doing an interview. So don't give me that nonsense um, in the chat that I'm playing some sort of game to try and get somewhere. It's absolute bollocks. Um, moving further forward, moving further forward in the team, I thought that Gabriel Martinelli... Um, offered a threat on that left-hand side, obviously very confident in taking people on. That's what he is. That's what he does. That's what his game is all about. And he got into some decent positions. I thought he had, um, I, I thought he had Emerson Royale on toast when he wanted to, but I thought that there were some times where he just hesitated for that split second and it just allowed the, the Spurs defender to bite back or at least get back into his position and make it difficult for Martinelli. He got a lot of support from the right-sided centre-back. And that's the benefit, isn't it, of playing the formation that Antonio Conte does. When your fullback is struggling, one of your centre-halves can shift across and um, and support without doing too much damage or leaving too much space in the middle. Um, I thought, you know, in the first half, he looked the most likely to make something happen. Um, he looked the most likely to cause... Spurs a problem. It didn't really materialise, obviously, um, but I can't really knock his performance going that way. I did think defensively, though, he needed to do more. I didn't think that he supported Takira Tomiyasu enough. I talk about this a lot, that Martinelli, for me, is not a left-sided winger. He's more like a left forward, and that means that defensively, he doesn't always do as much as somebody else might in that position. I think when he did get back, he was a little bit naive. I thought in the lead up to the penalty kick, was it the penalty kick? When the ball come in from the, was it the penalty kick or was it the goal? Uh, was it the second goal? Anyway, one there was one of them where the ball came in from the right-hand side, Tottenham's right, our left, and Kulusevski got on the ball. And we know that Kulusevski is left-footed. And instead of showing Kulusevski down the outside, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Aaron Ramsdale, um, made this point to him literally after the ball had gone in the, in the back of the net or or after the incident had occurred. Um, 
he just he just opened the door for Kulusevski to to sort of step inside, look up, and and play the cross. And you're sitting there, you're thinking, what are you doing? Like, you know, what are you doing? You've got to be showing him on the outside, and that's the kind of um, that's the kind of naivety that we have in this team still. And every now and again, it rears its ugly head. And unfortunately for us, it was tonight at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Eddie Nketiah was chasing shadows for most of the night. Can't fault his application or work rate, but he just didn't get the service. And Bukayo Saka just didn't look fit to me. He just didn't look at 100%. He looked like he was missing half a yard. He looked reluctant to take people on. He looked reluctant when he had opportunities to carry the ball down that right-hand side. And I was really sort of underwhelmed by his performance as well. So I don't think anybody in an Arsenal shirt performed particularly well. And that circles back to the point I was making when I said that I don't think that the refereeing decisions were 100% responsible for the defeat because we didn't show anything really outstanding either side of those. But they did play a part. And in particular, the penalty played a part because it gave Tottenham a massive boost and the opportunity to break the deadlock when in truth they created nothing up until that point. Let me say a big thank you to Manuel for your very, very kind uh, super chat donation, mate. Um, I really, really do appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for tuning in and, um, and thank you for supporting the channel. It really does uh, mean the world to me, mate. Really, really do appreciate it. Let's talk a little bit about um, the post-match stuff because Mikel Arteta was, was very unhappy in his post-match interview. He said that if I say what I think, if I say what I believe here, I'll probably be banned for six months. And he called on the referee to come in front of a camera and explain the decision that he made um, to this to explain both of the decisions that he made and and um, and I've got no problem with Mikel Arteta speaking his mind. I think that Mikel Arteta has proven that when he needs to be critical of his players in a post match interview and when he needs to be critical of the performance, he doesn't tend to do it individually, but he does criticize the collective. He's proven that he will do that if he feels that that's the right thing. He's proven that he will do that if he believes that that is the main reason why the game was lost or we've ended up with a result that was something other than what we'd hoped for. He didn't do that tonight because he genuinely felt wronged and he genuinely looked at that penalty decision. And you could see, I don't know if they showed it on the TV, but in the stadium, whilst sort of Paul Tini was standing there sort of dealing with the appeals of the Arsenal players. Mikel Arteta had strolled over, he'd had a watch of it and he was wagging his finger on the touchline to the official to say, that's that's wrong, that's not a penalty. So I don't have a problem with him being upset. Just like when people talked about, um, you know, people talked about Jurgen Klopp's comments the other day about Tottenham. You've got to remember that this stuff is being said in the heat of the moment, directly after a high-pressured game. Um, you know, and 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 actually, whether he was just a little bit hot under the collar and whether he should have said it or not, I don't really care. I, I actually enjoyed it. I did. I enjoy watching a manager who wants to defend this football club with every fibre of his being and who will call out the nonsense that we're seeing in terms of the standard of refereeing in the Premier League today. People are going to criticise him. The media are going to vilify him. There's no question in my mind about that. I mean, I was on the radio straight after the game when I was sort of heading back and I said something like, um, 
you know, and, and I was open and honest, you know, I, at the time I hadn't seen the replay of the penalty kick because they don't show it in the stadium. And I had said something like, well, from where I was standing, from where I was in the ground, and I said, granted, I haven't seen any replays, it did feel a little bit soft to me. And and my view was just completely shut down and dismissed. But um, I'm obviously glad to see that it wasn't just me that felt it was soft and people that had the benefit of watching it on TV think it was soft. People that were within the stadium think it was soft. Tottenham supporting friends of mine have messaged me to say when we were discussing the game that I feel it was soft. So that's not a, a wild out there opinion to have. It's an opinion that a lot of people share and rightly so because, because it's a fair opinion. Because it's a dubious decision. And and so, listen, sometimes these things go in your favour. Sometimes they don't. Um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things. But I thought Mikel Arteta was right to call it out. I thought Mikel Arteta was right to have a go, was right to make his feelings known. I think a part of it, and, and this was something that uh, one of my followers on Twitter, uh, Mr. Patrick Cozier, um, I hope you're well, man, um, he tweeted uh, back to me and said that Mikel Arteta's comments were part of the preparation for Newcastle United. It was like the start of the preparation for Newcastle United in order to try and look. And, you know, people say that it might be deflecting and I and, and fine. I think there is a bit of deflection going on there from Mikel Arteta because he might feel that's the best way for his team to come away from this with the least mental damage, if that makes sense. So maybe there is a bit of that in there. I don't know. Um, but as I say, uh, you know, I I don't think it was a pen. I, I, I can't, you know, I've watched it a load of times since I've come in and I can't see at what point it's a clear pen. Um, and um, and it's gone against us and it's, it's swung the pendulum and it's swung it very much in Tottenham's favour and we couldn't recover after that. Antonio Conte has then gone into his press conference and started about Mikel Arteta. Let's just put into context who Antonio Conte is before we proceed to rip apart his um, his um, his comments. Antonio Conte is somebody who received a 10-month ban for match-fixing. It's hardly the moral compass of football. And Antonio Conte suggested that Mikel Arteta should stop moaning so much and focus on his team, etc., etc. Yet Antonio Conte sp spent the build-up to this game, the week leading up to this game, moaning about something that happened in January, still banging on about the fact that the first fixture was postponed. I mean, get over it. How can you criticise someone for moaning when you've been moaning for the last four months about something. I mean, those in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. That's how the saying goes, isn't it? So, yeah, look, really, really irritating comments, those from Antonio Conte. But at the end of the day, and as I said, right at the top of the show, and as I said earlier on when we did, did a stream um, this afternoon, nothing is lost. The gap is smaller. The margin for error is smaller. But Arsenal are still in pole position to finish in the top four this season. Arsenal are the ones that have it within their hands. Tottenham do not. Arsenal can go and win at Newcastle. 
and go and win at Everton and wrap it up. And that's assuming that Spurs win both of those games that they have coming. I think that their fixtures on paper are easier than ours, so I expect them to. But they've proven time and time again throughout the campaign that they have just as many inconsistencies as we do. So, um, yeah, it's it's still all to play for. Let's not lose our minds. Let's not lose our shit. We, we had a bad day at the office. We struggled to get going after we went a goal down. I, I thought up until that point, I thought actually we looked quite good. I think that we without really threatening, were controlling, were comfortable, were were going about our business. And and as I say, I would have been a little bit more defensive in my shape. I would have been a little bit more pragmatic. I would have been a little bit more um, sort of cautious in my approach. But Mikel Arteta's approach wasn't signing any... uh, I beg your pardon, wasn't signing... It's late. Mikel Arteta's approach wasn't showing any signs of failure up until that point. And so now to dismiss that the penalty was dubious and to dismiss that it was soft and to dismiss that it probably shouldn't have been given and turn all the focus and all the attention onto Mikel Arteta and the way he set up the team and set out the team to play, I think is harsh and, and unfair. But yeah, that's where we are. Obviously, a hard one to take tonight. And I am recording this, you know, as soon as I've got home from the game. And, and I am emotional and I am frustrated. And the fact that you, it's happened against them is is obviously harder to take. And, and sometimes, I don't know, when I'm watching it on TV, I don't feel it as... Not that I don't feel it as much. I do, but it's a different feeling. Um, like coming away from there, like just having a ball late, getting away from the ground and seeing them all in the streets shouting. And I saw a couple of them going after sort of Arsenal fans in there twos and threes, you know, small groups of Arsenal fans just going about their business, walking back to the station, sort of getting aggro from Tottenham fans to the point where it was threatening to spill into violence and, you know, police have to come running over from across the road. And it just, it the, the whole experience just irritated me. Um, what I very quickly remembered when I entered into the stadium today is, um, how much I dislike Tottenham Hotspur as a football club and everything they stand for. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Arsenal through and through and, you know, they're just, they're Tottenham, aren't they? They're, they're the swamp dwellers that, you know, seem to be incredibly arrogant for a club that doesn't uh, win things and, and hasn't won things for a very, very long time. But there we go. Okay, look, let's, um, let's go over to the live chat. Let's see... Um, what you guys are saying. You know what? I'm going to take some of your questions for the last sort of 10 or so minutes of the show. Uh, Lots and lots of comments coming through, whether you agree with me or not. Uh, If you could please do me the honor of hitting the like button on the video, that would really, really help. And if you could subscribe to the channel, if you're new as well, I'd be most grateful. Um, I will watch the game uh, back tomorrow and I will break it down in a lot more detail. But just while you're putting your comments in, Um, And your questions in for me to sort of tackle for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of the show. My my overriding feeling is is one of of frustration. Um, There's a bit of anger in there as well, because, as I say, I I didn't feel like we were on a path to lose that game up until that point when uh, the penalty was awarded. And I know football at this level can change on the smallest thing. And it really did tonight. But when that thing is out of your control, is out of your hands... And listen, 
you could argue that if Cedric doesn't make any sort of challenge, then, you know, it it doesn't get given and therefore it is in our hands. I just think that when it's something that you see done five, seven, eight times per game, it's it's what defenders do. They lean into people in order to try and put them off their jumps. It happens all the time, yet it always, most of the time, goes unpunished. So then when you see one given against you, it is frustrated. Um Okay, look, let's uh, let's take some of your thoughts. Um, Doodle Man says, Harry, if Cedric and Holding don't get in the way of Son, we're called the soft touch. If they stand their ground and let their presence be known, they're labelled as naive and foolish, can't win. Look, I think I think we all know, right, if we search our heart of hearts, no matter how much you think that Rob Holding's done a good job of late or no matter how much you think that Cedric has done the same, we all know that they're not players that we want to be playing with week in, week out. And we all know that tonight and some of the performances against, um, you know, West Ham, against Manchester United, against Leeds, which at times weren't great. You know, we all know that it's a very different ball game. If you've got Gabriel and White at centre-back, you've got Tommy Asu at right-back, you've got Partey in the middle and you've got Tierney at left-back. We all know that that makes a massive, massive difference to the team. We all know that we lack depth and we all know that that depth lacks quality we were only going to get by for a certain amount of time with the likes of Holding and Cedric without their faults and without what makes them not good enough to start week in, week out, coming to the fore and rising to the top. So it was always going to happen. It was always going to come at some point. And it's a shame that it's come at um, a game that we didn't have enough to recover from afterwards. I mean, you know, if it comes, you make a mistake against Leeds, the chances are that the remainder of your team is good enough to drag you through that game and put right those errors and rectify those errors or at least nullify them. You go do that at Spurs, it's a much different thing. It's a different animal. It's a different ball game, and it becomes a lot harder. Uh, Sekaya says, have you noticed that Ramsdale was never dived the right way for any of the penalties uh, this season for Arsenal? Do you know what? I, I, I did notice that. We were in the Uber on the way home in the cab and um and uh, we were talking about it we were talking about the fact that Ramsdale hasn't managed to stop a penalty uh despite some of the brilliant saves he's made this season and I made the point that he always seems to dive the wrong way as well um Matt Rogers says are you confident we will win the last two games personally you can see us beating Everton but can also see us dropping points at Newcastle I can see us dropping points at Newcastle if we're not at something close to our best Got major, major concerns about the fact that Gabriel went off injured today as well. Ben White, you'd expect, would be back, given that he was named on the bench today, given that he was deemed fit enough to play that role at least. Interesting that he didn't come on, though. Um, Mikel Arteta didn't really want to give much away around that in his post-match stuff. If you'd have asked me before tonight, I was actually quite confident that we could go to Newcastle and get what we needed. But now looking at that back line, which could potentially be Cedric at right back, White and Tomiyasu at centre-backs because Holding is suspended and Gabriel looks injured. And then Tavares at left back. I mean, when you think about that, Tavares on the left, Cedric on the right, White and Tomiyasu, all of a sudden my confidence level around what we could achieve at Newcastle dips dramatically. 
Uh, Hope says, do you think Arteta waited too long to bring Tommy Asu over to the right? Scary thing is he could see Son owning Cedric and holding, but he waited until after the second goal to bring Tommy over. I think he only brought um, Tommy over because of the sending off and he thought that he could slot Granit Xhaka in at left back. And, and that was the way he wanted to reshuffle the formation, left back, left centre back, whatever you want to call it. Um, as I said, I said this right at the top of the show, I was surprised that he didn't look at um, maybe the idea of playing Tommy Asu on the right and Nuno on the left if he didn't want to play Cedric there. I, I think that um, I think that I, I would have done that as the manager. But as I say, people say that they were causing us nightmares up until the penalty. They weren't. You know, Aaron Ramsdale hadn't made a save. Um, Amanat says, what does Odegaard do? Can someone explain, please? Um, one of the things that really frustrates me about Martin Odegaard is, is his inability to get a clean strike off at goal. He does so much when we get the ball to him. He does so much when we're able to get him involved in the game. And he arrives on the edge of the box in some really, really good areas and then shoots like he's Alex Iwobi. It, it, it's crazy. I, I can't get my head around it. He did it on a number of occasions tonight, just sort of P-rollers into the goalkeeper's arms. Frustrating. But Martin Odegaard's been really, really good for Arsenal this season. He's he's shown a lot. There have been a few games where he's been on the peripheries, but I think a lot of that has been down to us not being able to progress the ball into the right areas as well. And I think that's obviously key for someone like Martin Odegaard. Always gives 10 out of 10 in terms of his work rate. So um, let's see. Some of you are saying in the chat that Gabriel is fit. From what I heard Mikel Arteta say, he said that he felt something. We hope he'll be fit or or hopefully he'll be okay. He didn't confirm that what he felt was nothing and he won't know that what he felt was nothing at this point. So I'm still worried about that going into that game. Um, let's take this one from Lynn who says... I am going to say this again, Harry. If you see Son's body as he went up in the air to hit the ball, both his legs went under him. So had Cedric not been a prop, he would have broken both his legs. Um, Son was just looking for any sort of um, any sort of contact so that he could make something of it and go down because that's what Son bloody does. Uh, Jovan says, we need to talk about our attack, though. We don't have good enough players in attack to take pressure off the defence. Saka not good enough. Enketia not good enough. Martinelli not good enough. I agree with you that on the night, none of them were good enough. I agree with you that on the night, none of them posed a sustained threat to Tottenham Hotspur. The closest to doing that was Martinelli on that left-hand side in the first half. But even he didn't make much of the situations that he found himself in. As I say, I, I think that Saka does go in and out of games. Um, and I do, and I have said throughout the course of the season that we were taking a massive gamble, relying on him to produce as much as we need him to. But to me, more than anything, he just didn't look fit tonight. Just didn't look sharp. Let's take a couple more um, before I jump. I'm absolutely shattered. I'm, I'm really struggling um, with my eyes. You can probably see it. Uh, uh, Gracia says, uh, don't worry, Arsenal going to the Champions League. There you go, nice positive one um, to end on. Uh, King Arthur says, Saka's not making those runs that make defenders foul him. Only once did he do that. Yeah, he, he used to, and he hasn't done it as much of late, pick up the ball and sort of weave in and out of people. 
and try and draw fouls. And often defenders would kind of just run across him and he'd get a little clip and he'd go down and he'd win us free kicks in good areas. And he'd give us that bit of respite when we needed it. Um, but yeah, um, Sakaya says, Redknapp on Sky said that Tierney got all the decisions right tonight. Mate, with all due respect, the day I start listening to Jamie Redknapp and, and taking his word as gospel is the day that I, I'll probably pack in watching football. Um, he's a Spurs man. And um, what, what did you expect him to say? Add to that, he's an awful pundit as well. Um, and, and he's only there because he's because uh, of his devilish good looks. He's not a, he's not a football pundit. He's a joke. Um, Sam Tonk says, uh, great shift as always. H, do you think Gabriel Jesus signing hinges on fourth? It's a shame we're relying on Eddie because an elite striker could have carried us back tonight. I do think it plays a part. Yeah, I do think that the level of target that we'll be able to go for um, will be different because of not because of finances necessarily. I think obviously the finances will be better and stronger. Um, you know, if we can, if we can, um, if we can secure Champions League qualification, but I think for players at Gabriel Jesus's level as well, um, you're going to need that Champions League status to be able to convince them that this is the place uh, for them to come. Okay, look, um, I'm going to say goodnight to you all because I'm angry, I'm frustrated. You probably gathered it in this podcast. You probably gathered it um, in uh, in the way sort of I've I've spoken about tonight's game. Always difficult to take. Every defeat is difficult to take, but when it's against them, it's even harder. And when you feel like there's an injustice, um, it's really hard to get past that, at least in the immediate aftermath. So we will break it down a little bit more uh, tomorrow with a calmer head and with a calmer view. And I will watch the game back. And perhaps I'll come up with some other reasons why I felt that Arsenal just weren't quite at the level required tonight. Um, I've already named a few outside of the refereeing decisions, but maybe when I watch it back, I'll be able to break that down a little bit better. Perhaps when the anger and the frustration and the disappointment subsides. Don't forget to hit the like button. In fact, as uh, I think it was Sam said in the chat, smash the like button if you want Arsenal to get in the top four. That's a nice, easy way of doing it. Um, please do and subscribe to the channel if you're new. I'll be back very, very soon with more. Until next time, goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.